0: This episode of The Minimalist is brought to you by Men's Warehouse. (laughs) You're going to love the way you look, Ryan. I guarantee it. Actually, you're only going to get that joke if you're watching this on YouTube. This episode of The Minimalist podcast is brought to you by nobody because advertisements suck.
1: The (laughs) Minimalists.
0: Hello Minimizers, welcome to the Minimalist Podcast where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus and together we are the Minimalists. Ryan, today is the day. Are you ready for the big reveal? Heck yeah. We've been, well we've been waiting for months to finally reveal our new studio. We have a gift for you. We have a present for you and we're going to unwrap it right now. Yeah. Here we go. Let's do Woo. it. Oh my god, look at that. If you're not Gorgeous. watching this on YouTube, you're just listening to the audio, you may want to pan over Dude. and just take a look at our brand new studio space, YouTube, YouTube.com slash The Minimalists Podcast. You can find our podcast there or any of our clips over at YouTube.com slash The Minimalists. We're going to talk about this studio here in a second, but before that, Ryan, I want to talk to you about Recluttering. Have you ever decluttered a space but then felt compelled to fill it with new things? Oh man, Mm. that can be dangerous. Mm. Once we've excised our excess, the last thing we want to do is re-clutter our lives with new possessions, new burdens, new obligations. Today, we're going to talk about how to avoid re-cluttering our lives with excess Ryan, I thought this was the perfect episode yeah. to do this. We've been waiting to do this re-cluttering episode. Right. Because we moved into this new studio space. We have a brand new studio audience here, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Yeah, we have um, Alabama, Emma the Immigrant, and uh, Danny Unknown is around here somewhere Mm -hmm. hiding behind the cameras. Of course, Jordan No More, Podcast Sean are all here. And what's funny is we have some people who have been moving to Los Angeles. We moved to this new studio, Mm -hmm. and the spaces we move into, they tend to be empty. Yeah. And so the first thing we want to do is what? Reclutter it. Yeah, fill it with stuff. That's right. Oh, I am empty if this space is empty. Mm. We've been very careful, and it's taken way longer than what we initially thought. We were like, hey, maybe we'll get like two episodes with that wrapping paper behind us. Yeah. And it was fine, it worked well for a season. Yeah. But we knew we were going somewhere else with it. So we're, we're roughly 70% of the way there. We've got this beautiful artwork here by Beulah. We're going to talk more about Beulah Ann a little bit later. She is the wonderful artist, also interior designer behind our new studio space. We'll talk more about her. Also, shout out to Evan Cox, who does all of our lighting. He came in here and has made things look beautiful. We still have quite a bit to do with yeah. our lighting. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Evans is a savant, man.
0: Oh my god! Yeah, he is a total genius. He sees things with lighting. Yeah. That. Yeah, it's almost like he's uh, he has you know the when people have synesthesia, mm. that they can play music and they see colors. Yeah. He has that with lighting somehow. Somehow. Yeah. And I I just
1: remember the first time he was in here, uh, he did some th- things with the lighting, mm-hmm. and it didn't look any different to me. And then Jordan showed me on the camera side by side. I was like, oh my god. I had no idea Josh could look that handsome.
0: Well, Evan, thank you for making us look about 36% more handsome right. on camera. It's all camera tricks, by the way. We have some new camera equipment. We're upgrading to 4K real soon as well for YouTube. What we're trying to do is we've have a message here that we've been talking about for 10 or 11 years. We've refined that message, mm. and we want to make it look beautiful. As our friend Erwin McManus says, beauty is essential, Amen. and we want to bring that forward. In fact, we're often inspired by some of the art that they've done over at Mosaic and, and seeing the art that they've put forward in in all of their creations and how can we also make what we're doing look beautiful mm. one last person to shout out big thanks to tim who you have not met you were out of uh, town last week uh, from Wove of arts he's the guy mm. who hung all of this artwork and made this space look like a beautiful art gallery yeah he did a great job is that is that the guy that you were talking about danny oh awesome yeah he's he's amazing and uh, really talented artist really understands art history just a beautiful soul, a beautiful person. And uh, so we're working with an amazing team here to make beauty of that. We're going to bring beauty to the forefront of everything that we are doing this year and into the future. But we got to be careful because beauty is not the same thing as, well, let's fill the space. In fact, we've done the opposite. We've been very deliberate about not overflowing this space with new things oh it's so easy you come in here especially when we first walked in here it was like an echo chamber remember the first time we came in here yeah it
1: was crazy man yeah yeah
0: so uh mike he brought in the sound panels mike over at la sound panels and and uh by the way these are we're just shouting people out there's no sponsorships here or anything like that we pay full price for all of these people to (laughs) to help us out but what's beautiful is working together with this team what we're trying to do is well it was, it's a beautiful message that has worked really well for audio, but how can we pull this forward into a visual representation? Yeah. And you see that in our homes as well. That's, by the way, that's why we're wearing these suits right now. It's a celebration. <laughs> <laughs> how long do you think it, it'll take before I spill coffee on my shirt? <laughs> <laughs> i tried to get ryan to wear a tuxedo t-shirt today (laughs) oh man i almost did i almost did everyone thought it was a good idea
1: but i think ryan was just a little bashful oh i just wanted to give uh beulah and tim and uh uh, evan and everyone else the respect that they deserve and i thought you know i don't i don't put on a tie often yes but i'll do it
0: for their work okay yeah yeah no it's it's a beautiful, a beautiful day that we finally get to unveil this, and you'll see over the coming weeks and months, we still have a whole lot more in store for you. You can listen to the audio version. Keep listening to the audio. I'm not trying to say go do something different. What we want to do is bring this beauty forward, bring some art into everything that we do. We'll talk more about Beulah and her artwork a little bit later. On this minimal episode, Ryan, I want to talk to you about recluttering. And on the Maximal episode this week, we're going to talk about 25 boundaries that prevent a cluttered life. Mm. Now, that can be cluttered with things, but also clutter with relationship clutter, Mm -hmm. career clutter, Mm -hmm. emotional clutter. That's a big one for me, emotional clutter. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk to you about that on the Maximal episode. Also on Patreon this week. I want to talk to you more about voting. We had a conversation last week about voting and I had some additional insights, but really some additional questions that I want to talk to you about as well. Is voting actually the problem? I don't know. Uh, let's see. Yes and no. Oh, okay. Well, let's talk about <laughs> it. Depends on
1: how you look at it.
0: Yeah. Also, recent Maximal episodes <laughs> over on Patreon. We did an episode called The Opposite of Hoarding, and we did one called The Digital Declutter Challenge. You can check those out, patreon.com slash The Minimalist. But let's get into this episode. Ryan, we have a Facebook question from Desiree. How do we address recluttering
1: with loved ones and roommates? who seem to see our clean spaces as places to dump their stuff that doesn't have a home.
0: Yeah, I think that's what's fascinating about this. I think we're all this way to some extent. As I mentioned earlier, you walk into an empty room, or I know uh, Danny's moving into a new place right now. I just saw pictures of his new apartment. It's beautiful. Mm. It's a small apartment. Mm. And what he's realized, like, oh, I have too much stuff for this space. I had too much stuff for my life, maybe, Mm. but it's especially obvious when I move into this new space. But whenever we move into a new space, what do we feel? Oh, I have to have the things that I'm supposed to have. I have Mm. to have a couch. I have to have a bed. I have to have a dining room table. I have to have a blender. I have to have a George Foreman grill. And all of a sudden, the list goes on and on and on. And a lot of this, these are non-essentials. Mm-hmm. And the question about a non-essential is, will it add value to my life? Mm. There's nothing wrong with having non-essentials, but many of these things are actually going to get in the way. Yeah. And I think that's where Desiree is right now. Other people's stuff is getting in your way, yeah. and I don't know. Maybe it's driving you crazy a little bit. Mm. Dude, the counter
1: is like my biggest um, put everything there. Like Mike, I get like we'll get the counter like nice and clear, the kitchen counter because it's like nice and wide. And all that does is, like, attract everything <laughs> that I don't have, like, an exact place for. Mm-hmm. But what's really cool is, like, Mariah and I, we uh, try to keep it as clutter-free as possible. Some days we do better than others, but we're constantly working together towards the same thing. So, like, we we, we know what we want. We know our preferences. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have conversations about it. and. It's usually her getting on me about stuff. But sometimes, you know, like her art stuff will be out. And I'm like, oh, hey, do you mind, you know, taking care of this? Or sometimes I'll take care of it Yeah, But, yeah, with, with loved ones, it might be a little easier with roommates. Mm. Like, I had that roommate from Hades. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Back in Ohio. Yeah. yeah. And, like, there was nothing I could do to, like, help him or to, yeah, to, to make him see that he needed to take care of our personal space. Right. So I eventually moved out, which maybe that's not what, you know, des- uh, yeah, Desiree needs to do here is move out. Um, maybe you not. Could cer- you could certainly have a conversation at first, but, you know, I had a lot of conversations with him and uh, it just ended up not working out.
0: I have some insights from Anthony DeMello that I think might help Desiree. This is from his book, Rediscovering Life. And this section, this is from page 67. Nothing in this world upsets you. Get your get your soul ready for a shock. Here it comes. I say it just like it is. I'm going to lob the bomb right into your mit- midst. Listen to this. Nothing in reality, nothing in life, nothing in the world upsets you. Nothing has the power to upset you. Mm. Did anyone ever tell you that? All upset exists in you, not in reality. You can underline the word all. All of it. All of it, all of it, all upset is in you, not in life, not in reality, not in the world. It's in you. Just understanding this has changed the lives of people 180 degrees. Just understanding this and no more. Reality is not upsetting. Reality is not problematic. And if there were no human mind, there would be no problems. All problems exist. In the human mind, all problems are created by the mind. Somebody said to me in Denver last summer, wouldn't there be some problems that existed in reality and not in me? I said to him, if we take you out of there, where's the problem? No problem. Now to me, this truth is so simple, a seven-year-old child could understand it. But I've met people who are doctors and all sorts of other things and they never understood it never understood it. They just took it for granted that problems exist in the world. Problems exist. By problem, I mean something that upsets you, okay? I repeat that. By problem, I mean something that upsets you. People think the problem exists in the world. They think that it exists in other people. They think it exists in life. No, no, no. It's in them. Simple as that. Mm. Nothing has the power To upset you, Mm. man, it's
1: it's like freeing in a way. It's like uh, I don't know. It just helps you look at any time you get pissed off. Like you can really ask yourself, like, did this person upset me, or have have they just uh, said something that you know where anger arises uh in me? Right. And I don't know why, but with all this like the mystic stuff, I always go to because uh, like Anthony Tomello is speaking in an absolute there with. There are No one can upset you. Uh-huh. So with any absolute, just like people do with what we talk about with minimalism, it's like I look for like the, uh, oh, what's the exception to the rule? Mm. And what I'm starting to be more and more comfortable with is that that's life, man. There's exceptions to all rules. Like,
0: there might be. Yeah. But I think what he's saying there is the problem will always exist in you because if you didn't exist, that problem wouldn't exist in the same way. Mm-hmm. The worry, the upset, mm-hmm. the the, the experience that you're having and so Desiree I, the reason I bring this up is not to say well the problem's all yours deal with it mm-hmm. I'm saying if we realize that then we're not reacting to this emotionally mm. and we can react from it uh, we, we can react to it in a way where we actually understand the problem is it really a problem and, and if so we don't have to emotionally react because that's where, where a lot of these questions stem from you you wait to the point, At which you are exacerbated by the problem. Mm. Because when it was just gnawing at you a little bit, oh, they keep putting their keys on the counter and it's frustrating me. You don't say anything. Mm -hmm. But then there's the pile of mail there. And then there's all the flat surfaces start to have different things on them. There's pizza boxes and beer cans and soda bottles and all this stuff that's all over the house. And now you've reached the boiling point. Yeah and you've been upset the entire time, realizing that, oh, that upset arises in me. Why? Because I have a particular desire. I have a particular expectation. I have an attachment to a clean house. And, okay, understanding that is, I think, is the antidote to being upset by this, because as soon as you're not upset by it, now you can talk to the people and say, hey, I have certain preferences. I also understand that you have certain preferences. Yeah. And let's find out where those preferences can converge. Now, it may be that you have a roommate who is awful relative to your preferences, mm-hmm. doesn't fit with your preferences. And that's mm-hmm. where you were, Ryan. Yeah, y- Your roommate, we'll call him Jeff, mm-hmm. Jeff was not able to... Meet your desired preferences. Right. Mm-hmm. And we can either say, well, it's all his fault. I can blame him. Mm-hmm. But a real sign of maturity is to not blame anyone for anything. Realize, like, oh, if I remove myself from this situation, then I've removed the problem from my interior life as well. Yeah. It's almost like Desiree
1: can look at this as, uh, I don't know, if she's upset with it, if, if, if uh, discontent or whatever it is arises in her, then she has the choice to do something about it. And it's, it, it's not in a way it's almost not her roommate's responsibility to not make her upset, if that makes sense. So let me, let me give you an example. Let's say, um, you know, I was wearing a polka dot shirt. Yes. And you were like, dude, that really bothers me. You wearing a polka dot shirt. It would, to be fair. Right. It would. <laughs> I'd be, be really upset right now. Yeah. So, so, yeah, the the question is is like, do I want to wear a shirt based upon your preferences? Mm. or can I just look at you and be like, oh i'm I'm sorry you feel that way, right?" And just continue wearing my polka dot shirt. I mean, it's the same thing with Desiree and her roommate. She's asking her roommate, "Hey, can you please help me with these preferences?" Yeah, um but it's you know it's it's not I don't know. I don't want to throw it all on the roommate here. the The other thing I'm trying to get at too is Desiree. I mean, you might have to maybe tidy up a little bit or doing do something, you know, for your roommate to, A, show them that you are trying your best mm-hmm. to, like, live within your preferences. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's a little bit of a contribution in a way, too. I mean, I know that, like, she doesn't want to pick up dirty clothes on the floor and stuff like that i mean there certainly are limits but but these are all things to consider
0: yeah i think there are limits but you get to define what those limits are and if it's going to make if you feel at this point in time it's best that you have roommates because it's the most affordable solution for you fine but understand there are additional costs involved with that if you have certain expectations Mm. if you had the same exact expectations as your roommates no problem would arise within you Mm. the difference right now is the difference in expectations and your difference in standards you you have a standard for you and then applying that standard to someone else is creating an expectation for them Mm. do they even know what your expectation is it's a great place to start and so if they don't You might want to just sit down with them and say, hey, I have certain standards. Would you be willing to help me meet some of those standards and help me understand how I can meet your standards at the same time? Yeah. And the best way really to get people to help you out or, you know, contribute to
1: your life is you help them them out. You contribute to their life. Like that's really going to spark
0: that desire in your roommate. Now, Ryan, would you be upset if I take this jacket off because I'm starting to sweat in here? (laughs) Not at all. All right. Well, we've got a voicemail question here from Hannah in Hartford, Connecticut.
2: I'm currently on the journey to becoming zero waste, which means that I've been trying to put more value into the items I own. I've heard you say that if your house burnt down, it wouldn't be a big deal because nothing in your home is, is that important to you. I guess my question is, how do I balance putting value back into my items or the things that I own, and, and not letting these possessions control my life.
0: So, it seems to me, Hannah, that you're asking, how can you jump in the swimming pool and not get wet? Mm, yeah. yeah. Here's, the, here's the thing. Let's use a different word than value. Let's just say attachment. I mm. want more attachment to my items, right? Because what you're saying is, our, or maybe even meaning. I want to pr- impart more meaning, ascribe more meaning onto my items. Well, of course, they're going to be more difficult to let go of, right? Mm-hmm. Now, you can let go of attachment and not let go of an item. And that's ultimately what I'm talking about. She, she misquoted us a little bit by saying, hey, if my house burnt down, I'd be okay because nothing's important to me. No, no, no. I have plenty. All of my things are important to me. Yeah. I don't have an attachment to those things. Yeah. I don't treat them as disposable, and I think that's the difference. She's mistaking. Oh, all of my things are just disposable. If that was the case. Well, I would just. I wouldn't have this glass right here. I would just have a plastic cup and 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 dispose of it. And same with the coffee cup. I would just dispose of that every time. Mm-hmm. And I don't treat things as though they're disposable, but I understand that those things don't increase my joy, happiness. They have. No value other than the value I assign to them. And so, Hannah, what you want to do is you're asking, how do I assign more value to these things and also reduce my attachment? The thing I'm going to ask about my possessions is, does it add value to my life? Not that it has value, Mm. but it adds value to my living, my experience of life.
1: Yeah. No, I totally agree, man. I mean, she wants to, yeah, make things more precious but not have the attachment. And I, I don't think that's necessarily possible. I will say, you know, when I think about all of the things that I have and the attachment, I don't have to them. It's really because I don't, I'm trying to sound cliche, but like, I really love myself. Like I really like who I am. I feel complete. And there are other things in my life that augment my life, Mm -hmm. uh, not just things, but relationships as well. And you know, that is maybe a better quality question, uh, for Hannah here is how can you, how can you fall in love with yourself a little bit more? How can you feel more complete? I I, I will give you a hint. It has nothing to do with your possessions, your material possessions. So that's why, you know, I think about sentimental stuff I have. I think about expensive stuff that I have, whatever it is, it could burn up. And yeah, I mean, there would be a piece of me where I'd be like, Oh man, like, I had that Stein for, you know, 20 years and it was a gift for my grandma and you know, there's a story attached to it. Sure. But ultimately, uh, I'm going to look at, you know, well, Mariah survived, the cat survived and I survived.
0: So, you know, th- that's, that's really what's important. Those are the true attachments that, that I have. Right. Yeah. Right. And we can, we can create an attachment to anything. Mm. And quite often we, create attachments to everything, hence hoarding, how we're all level one hoarders to some extent or level two, many of us. You can go back to listen to our hoarding episode about that. And Ryan and I identified like, oh, wow, like especially in our previous lives before minimalism, we had many of the tendencies of level two hoarders. And what does that Mm -hmm. mean? It just means we picked up a lot of attachments along Mm -hmm. the way. Mm -hmm. Now, I want you to realize something, Hannah. That's not someone else's fault. It's not your fault either. You've been programmed to be attached to all of these things through commercials, through peer pressure, through your society and culture, through your friends, family, whoever it might be. They've had certain cultural conditioning that they've passed on to you, mm. and you've picked up a bunch of attachments along the way. Yeah. Well, how do you let go of something? Letting go is not something you do, it's something you stop doing. So you don't have to let go of the item, but to let go of the attachment, you simply have to understand that you no longer want to cling to it. You can mm. find these things useful. Here we talk about our 16 rules for living with less. Hannah, if you wanna check them out, it's theminimalist.com slash You can download it for free. Uh, and it's just an a e-book that you can download and check out these 16 rules for living with less. But a few of them come to mind, and they really help me with my own attachment to stuff. Mm. The spontaneous combustion rule is the big one. So not your whole house burning down, but let's take a look at one item. Pick up that toaster. What would happen if it spontaneously combusted? Would you feel... Now, now that's not hurting the environment. It just combusted. It's gone. Mm. Let's just say it's gone, right? Would you feel relieved? Well, if you don't eat any toast, yeah, probably. It's just sitting there taking up space, right? (laughs) Or would you replace it? And if you said, yeah, I definitely would want to replace this toaster, great. It adds value to your life. But if you feel as though I need this toaster to be complete, just saying that sentence out loud will make you realize how absurd that attachment actually is. Yeah. And I'd love to give you a couple tickets to our Boston event. It's the closest event to you. We're going to 20 cities throughout North America. We're going to be in Boston and New York and D.C. pretty soon. We're going to Texas in about a week or so. We're going to be in San Antonio and Houston and Dallas and 20 cities total. West Coast, East Coast, Midwest. We'll be up in Canada as well. You can find all the cities at TheMinimalists.com tour. We're definitely coming to a city near you. And, uh, Hannah... We can continue this conversation there in Boston. We'll send you two tickets. Ryan, what time is it? You know what time it is.
1: It's time for our lightning round where we answer your text messages. You can text your questions and comments to
0: 937 Two zero two four six five four. Yes, indeed. You can also text an emoji to that address. I'm rolling up my sleeves here. It's getting really warm <laughs> in the podcast studio. I want
1: to be cool. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can text an emoji to that phone number as well. Let us know the most recent thing you got rid of. But since we're talking about recluttering today, before we get to Holly's question, Ryan, I wanted to say something about. Recluttering. The best way to declutter is to avoid bringing the thing home in the first place. Mm. You could tweet that podcast, Sean. I think quite often the reason we get so burdened by our stuff, by our obligations, by people, by ourselves, by our expectations, we get burdened because they pile up over time. One thing isn't a burden for us. Ah, it's just one thing mm. that I brought home but we do that 300,000 times and all of a sudden several decades later we're wondering okay wow what am i what am i going to do with all this this stuff mm. i've been talking to a lot of people on clubhouse recently i've been doing these live events on clubhouse reading from our new book love people use things and then just answering some questions around it And it's amazing how many people are dealing with moving right now I moved during the pandemic. And when they're moving to these new spaces, they're always telling me the same thing. Mm. I wish I would have done Ryan's packing party before I moved. Oh, yeah. Because now I dragged all of these things with me and I'm recluttering my new home with things I don't even enjoy. Mm. But I feel obligated. Why? Why do I feel obligated? Well, it's because someone said I should have a couch or I should have a microwave or Mm -hmm. I should have a spare bedroom or I should have a walk-in closet or I should have clothes that are trendy, right? Mm. I should own a suit. Yeah. Wait, I didn't even think you owned a suit. This is... I don't. I just own the tie and the shirt. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. He's not wearing pants. If you're watching, go to the wide shot. (laughs) You know what, man? Uh... It's so easy
1: for us to become attached, man. It's like, it is just like, there's something in our
0: DNA. I don't know what it is, but. I don't think it is. I don't think it's in the DNA. Hmm. But I think you're spot on. Hmm. It, we're, we're steeped in it since birth, basically. Well, we get fooled by it really easily. Yeah. 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 So
1: you think it's a, a, a nurture over nature,
0: I think the majority. So if we go back and look at hunter gatherers, like especially pre Hadza folks, that, yeah. with respect to you know, there, there's three mm-hmm. things that they really value. I think it's Paul Gray has a book about this, and uh, especially with respect to just kids and and you're raising kids in a more natural way. Mm-hmm. The three things that they value is one is autonomy, mm-hmm. two is uh, like freedom from. Possession or stuff. So they, they they actually have like they value non attachment is the way that you and I would describe it. Mm. They don't have language around it because they don't have attachment. And so, if you don't have the thing, you don't have the word for the thing. Yeah. That's why, like with Schadenfreude, like we have to borrow words from other languages sometimes in order to describe the thing. Even though we have the most most extensive language of all languages, right? <laughs> we still have to borrow words from other cultures. Yeah, I think there's something, Sean. I don't know if you know the exact number. Podcast Sean might know. It's at thousand words in the English language. Wow, it's an obscene number of words, mm-hmm. and I've memorized several dozen of them. <laughs> if I read. The dictionary, have I technically read every book ever written? (laughs) (laughs) If you're watching this on YouTube, that's my head exploding. Um, (laughs) Yes, yes, you have. And you've... you've, um, you've downloaded all the wisdom as well <laughs> right exactly yeah, yeah. it's funny the thing we we think about wisdom is we we think about experience but wisdom really is seeing things for how they are the same way we we use all these words to to mean essentially the same thing mm. yeah i was having this conversation with uh, chris kelly he has a podcast called nourish balance thrive he's been on our podcast before and Yeah, I'm I'm talking about attachment and how he's like, well, we need attachment. And I'm like, okay, you say whatever you want. It's all the same thing to me. It's attachment, desire, yearning, lust. Uh, You can clinging, call it whatever you want. What is the essence of what you're talking about? Mm. If you're talking about uh, little babies are attached to their mothers out of biological necessity, of course they are. The problem is we still have 40-year-old men who feel like they need to breastfeed. Mm -hmm. right and 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 because we we continue we just pick up different things to become attached to sure and so yes is there a biological imperative for attachment Mm -hmm. yes for babies and their mothers no no doubt about that yeah with respect to relationships or uh, especially things Mm. you you look at pre-civilized people and even like like personal property was like They weren't against it necessarily. They just didn't understand it at all. Well, you know, it's interesting. Like they were, they're
1: attached to community. They're attached to their, their, their friends, their relatives, like that, that tribe or, and I would even call it a tribe uh, because, you know, we're talking pre, you know, pre-human or, you know, pre-modern human civilization. Right. So I, I, they truly were loving people and using things. (laughs) <laughs> because, yes because yes. that's what mattered the most of them it was it was their community yes and uh can you call that an attachment maybe but you know i think any of these things that we talk about attachment hope whatever it is like mm-hmm. these are these are tools that i w- what i'm starting to understand the less i use them the less suffering i have how bingo however um there are sometimes that i'll pull out these tools but I'll, I'll tell you one of those tools is the power of letting go And that is where, uh, yeah, actually Hannah or Desiree, it's like focus on, or maybe learn how to appreciate the ability to let go, uh, and see it as a superpower. Yes. Because that is really where
0: I started to foster the whole attitude of of being willing to walk away from anything. Yeah, that willingness to walk away mm-hmm. is freedom. And if you're va- not saying that you should value freedom, right? Many of us don't. We've imprisoned ourselves with white picket fences. Mm. And we we tie ourselves, we attach ourselves to a job so we can pay for the car that gets us to the job, <laughs> and it's really a strange equation, right? Mm-hmm. You and I did it, and when the first car doesn't work, maybe it's the, the second car, the, the upgrade, the, the limited edition trim package, the bigger house, and all of a sudden we've tethered ourselves, attached ourselves. It's the, the reason I hate the word attachment is it conjures up images of positivity. Oh, I'm attached to the people I love. Okay, mm-hmm. well, let's start to use words that might help you better understand your relationship to stuff tether, mm-hmm. clinging, mm. yearning, suffering. Mm. These are words that help me better understand my former relationship with things. I was suffering not because of the things. The problem is never the things. Right. The problem is never the things. Mm. The problem is always our attachment to things. Now, Ryan, during the lightning round, What we do is we do our best to answer questions with a short, shareable, less than 140-character response. We put the text to these minimal maxims in the show notes, so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you'd like, and now you can find all of our minimal maxims in one place, thanks to our good friend, Social Jess. They're at minimalmaxims.com.
1: All right, we got a question from Holly. How do I figure out my why
0: for recluttering? Ooh, okay. Hmm. So... Why, okay, so maybe let me rephrase the question a bit because I like the question if I'm interpreting it correctly. I've moved into a new space. Mm -hmm. Why do I feel so compelled to complete it, to Mm. finish it, to clutter it, to fill it, whatever word you want to use there, right? The essence of it's all the same, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the why is always the same as well. Is because I feel some sort of emptiness in me Mm. if i'm recluttering now if i'm filling the space with things that add value to my life then i'm asking different questions Mm -hmm. the question right here we're, we're here in this beautiful space and when we first came here it was complete already in a way, we incomplete the space by bringing people and sounds and sound panels and cameras and all of these other things in here. But we want to use the space, use the things, so that we can communicate something that we want to communicate. In order to do that, I look at what is the sort of minimum viable way to do that. Mm. Because I don't, we could have just kept the white walls and no lighting, no sound panels. It would have been echoey as hell. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have worked, right? Mm. And you and I aren't against things. I mean, we're celebrating with suits on right now. How <laughs> ridiculous is this, right? I own one suit because uh, Bex occasionally uh, has impromptu funerals or something that she wants me to go to. <laughs> she attends a lot of funerals, man. Oh, wow. People we don't know, she just shows up. She just, like, up. shows up. It's really her passion, don't... Funeral crashers? Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's a sequel we're working on. Yeah. Uh, but... So yeah, I own a suit, right? I used to own a bunch of suits for the corporate world. Even then I had too many suits. Well, what was my why for recluttering my closet then? It was because oh, one more suit will finally make me complete. Yeah. I, I get this even now. You know, I'm I, my 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 one blind spot are jackets. I have like six jackets at home. Yeah. Still. We live in Los Angeles, California. <laughs> and here's the thing. They all fit within all of my rules because I wear, wear them all the time and they yeah. fit in the 90-90 rule or whatever. But could I have one jacket and one coat maybe? Yeah, probably. Yeah. But I do get value from each of them. Yeah. And, and so it, if I was hanging on to a bunch of jackets that I wasn't wearing, well, then they would be what? They'd be clutter. Yeah. And so if you have a bunch of things in your life that don't serve a purpose— Bring you joy in some way, that's what clutter is. Yeah, there's something about having options because we were talking about this before we
1: were re- recording the show in the corporate world. I loved having my Allen Edmonds, and uh, yeah, it's a like, pair of shoes by the way. Oh, right, yeah, it's a nice pair like a really, really nice pair of uh, like leather shoes, um, all types of styles. I could wear a different style, you know. Every day for you know two weeks in a row, if I several really months, to, right? Exactly. Yeah,
0: people go like the you know how they do the the those shows on YouTube now, the complex sneaker shopping. You show people's closets. You could have come to our closets oh. and it would have been a bunch of Allen Edmonds shoes yeah. just sort of stacked up in an absurd way. And 100%. I don't know. So I've got this pair of Allen Edmonds on right now. I still own one pair of Allen Edmonds yeah. and. I don't know if you had the same thing, but I own several of the same pair of shoes. Oh, with the Allynette, like back in the corporate
1: days? Yes. Yes. Well, there is, again, there's something, and, and maybe it is conditioning, it's society just, you know, ruining our minds, but having the options is like, it's this little burst of ephemeral, like, oh yeah, I got plenty of options, Yeah. but it's like, it's never enough. Like, it, like with the jackets, it's like, you could probably get one more jacket find use out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's never enough. If
0: I just had the jacket from Back to the Future that didn't have like self-drying or air-conditioned or self-drying. Yeah. I I just need one jacket that can do everything. That's actually the mindset Mm. that goes into a lot of this, right? Yeah. This is going to be the final purchase. And, Here's the irony here, Ryan, is minimalism actually helps me much more with that than consumerism. Consumerism Mm. is the ideology that buying something will complete me or make me happy. Now, you and I obviously know, and people listening to this at home or on their treadmill or driving to work or wherever you are, you know intellectually that the thing isn't going to make you happy. What you don't know if, if you're yearning for it is viscerally, you're like, yeah, but let me try to find out. Right. You know, I might be wrong about this intellectually. My heart knows best. <laughs> and my heart knows that one more jacket will finally make me complete. Mm. However, if, if we approach it from a minimalist mindset, a minimalist knows I'm already complete. The stuff isn't going to make me more complete. In fact, it's probably going to get in my way. However, some things, if I buy it, I'm taking care it's taking care of that decision essentially forever, permanently. Great example of this. Our friend Frank, who's in our first documentary, is a minimalist architect. We have a few minimalist architects in the building we work in as well, yeah. Greg and Christian downstairs. Mm-hmm. And I've talked I've had several conversations with them about this. When a minimalist architect plans a home, they plan a home for the rest of the person's life. You take care of that. And even with Frank in our documentary, the couch that he bought, he spent three years looking for that couch. Mm-hmm. Couldn't find it, so he had it built custom. And the reason he did that, he made a very deliberate decision. Once this is decision's made, I never have to consider this ever again mm. the problem is we take that mindset into consumerism oh, i'll just buy this real quick and i am never gonna have to consider this again and in a month from now i'm like why did i buy that thing it's too yeah. big it's too small it's too long it's too short whatever it is it doesn't fit me literally but also doesn't fit me psychologically emotionally and then i just pay the cost in so many other ways as a result yeah man i got a pithy answer for you what is it the stuff doesn't fill the emotional void it widens it I borrowed that from Ryan. He said that in our last film, Less Is Now, on Netflix. And um, the stuff doesn't fill the void. In fact, the void isn't real. We did a whole Patreon episode about this with Jeanette McCurdy called The Void. Oh, yeah. The Void a one. is something that has been created by your programming, by the constructs, by, by society. So it has been created by you but really by the programming that has been installed in you mm. by the people around you. You wouldn't experience that same void had you been birthed and raised on a deserted island by just your mother and immediate family. That void does not exist in reality. Mm. Uh, I got a couple of pithy answers.
1: Uh, my first one is Mo Possessions, Mo Problems. <laughs> and I stole that from Puff Daddy. <laughs> I think it was Biggie, right? I don't know. Oh, it was well, it was a song they did together. Okay. Yeah,
0: Yeah. yeah. and so... Um, what I like about that, I, I love that answer. I think it's going to work great as an image or for the show notes, whatever. By the way, if you want our show notes in your inbox, sign up for our email list over at minimalists dot com. But mo possessions, mo problems, because it's not actually the the, the possessions mm. that are the problem. It's me that's the problem. Right. It's my programming that's the yeah, problem. Yeah. But those possessions are a result of that programming, and so it is still true because. If I have more more and more and more and more, if I yearn for more and more and more, mm-hmm. what does that do? It shows, it displays, it reveals my programming.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I, the other one I have is uh, when in doubt, go without. I think I've used that one before. I like it. But I mean, that's really how I kind of look at things. It's if I'm questioning, oh, should I, shouldn't I? If I can go without it, I just go without. Yes. And I don't ever, you know, look back and think, oh man, I really, I really should have got that thing. I really yeah. should have done that. The wait, like, the wait for it rule. Yeah, right. Exactly. I've really been wanting a pair of Allen Edmonds. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're very beautiful shoes. I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah. I've been looking for a reason, and but but that to me is a symptom of like, oh, you need to go without that. Yeah. Like, especially when I'm searching, like, when could I wear them? Because I don't even know when I would wear them.
0: Right. Like, when we celebrate. <laughs> Art galleries? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right, art reveals. We're yeah. going to have to open more art galleries just so you can wear some Allen Edmonds. Right, exactly. Well, here's the thing about that. So I, I'll give you three reasons to not get them. Oh, yeah. One is they're far less comfortable than any other shoes that I have. They're comfortable for dress shoes, mm. but they're dress shoes. You're not going to go jogging in them. No, and they're real slippery, too. So there's another uh, thing uh. for you. You're going to fall in these. I have. <laughs> I broke a hip once uh, at... In Bridgewater Falls in Cincinnati, Ohio. Did you break your hip? Yeah. I don't remember that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, it was like my... uh, Yeah, anyway. Anyway. um, Yeah, it was a a hairline fracture. I had... It was a hilarious moment. I'm walking back to speak with Jason Ratliff and... uh, (laughs) (laughs) Shout out. Yeah, shout out to Jason Ratliff. And uh, I'm walking with... Two cups of coffee in my head from hand from Panera, I think it was. Oh, or the bookstore. Like, Borders sounds Books. Sounds like a skit. It was. <laughs> it's winter in Ohio. I'm walking back to his retail store. Oh, I got you a coffee. And all of a sudden, I hit a patch of black ice in my Allen Edmonds. Vertical. I mean, uh, I went from vertical to horizontal immediately. Oh, my God. In the air. Mm. Coffee's up in the air. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we had a slow motion gif of this because it would have been Perfect. But I don't, alas. It was 2008. And, yeah, oh, my God, that hurt. And uh, it was because of these shoes. So there's a good excuse to not They're slippery. They're uncomfortable. What was the third one? Well, you're not, uh, you're never going to wear them. Yeah, right. That's that's the best. (laughs) That's the best reason right there. All right. So, therefore, they're not going to add value to your life. I wear these probably three, four times a year. Mm Mm-hmm. And whenever I wear a suit, I I wear this suit with this. I have one dress shirt like this, and uh, I have one blue tie, one black tie, and and, and that's it. And um, even then, I look at it, and I'm like, "Mm," I'm I'm, I'm still constantly questioning. Does this still add value to my life? Why? Because if it doesn't, well, then eventually, what was valuable is now clutter. Yeah, amen. Ryan, we got a bunch more to talk about. You got something for us first? Yeah, man. Here are some
1: voicemail comments and insights from our listeners. Check them out.
2: Hey Minimalists, this is Christina calling from Waterloo, Ontario, Canada. I just listened to your career podcast and wanted to call to say how much I loved it. I think it's so important to find what you're passionate about and just go for it. Kind of continue to cultivate that passion and push through the low parts. I actually started writing a fashion blog back in 2013 and it's continued to grow from there. I studied to be a style coach and launched my own side business this past November, and now I work one-on-one with people to develop their own personal style. I've always been passionate about promoting local shopping in my community, but I realized after listening to the podcast that I'm going to focus even more on teaching my clients on how to shop according to their values, more eco-friendly, and really help them minimize their closets. I just wanted to thank you guys for helping me realize this and for all you guys do. Hi guys, this is Marley in Cleveland, Tennessee, and I am a newbie to your podcast and I've already hooked. Maybe it's because you spoke about one of my favorite subjects, creativity. I want to share how liberating it is that you give people permission to practice failing. When I learned the wisdom that the brick wall of frustration is the part of the creative process, it set me free. Once I knew that this was part of the process, I could know where I was and go on to the next steps of incubating my creative idea, strategizing new ideas, and collaborating with others. So at that brick wall of frustration, I didn't quit and go home, but I kept at it, seeing it through to the success moments. Also, a tip on the have-to versus the get-to in your creative process. One inquiry you could ask is the EEE test. Does this have ease, not to be confused with easy, because our life's creativity isn't always easy, but does it flow with ease? Does it have great energy, and do I enjoy it? That's when you know in your bones that you are doing something you love.
0: All right, y'all, we got a bunch more surprise questions this Thursday on Patreon. That's the maximal episode on The Minimalist private podcast. But first, real quick for right here, right now, here's one or maybe even two things going on in the life of The Minimalist. So I teach a writing class three or four times a year. I'm going to teach it one more time this year. We, we changed, we re- re-recorded everything. We brought Jordan and Sean in and other Sean, uh, Sean Mahalik. Who is an adjunct professor over there at How to Write Better. We reformatted the entire class. I'm going to teach it one more time later this year. It's closed right now, so you can't sign up for it. But if you're interested in finding out more information, you can download the free ebook. It's called 11 Ways to Write Better. Even if you don't, you're not interested in the class whatsoever, you can download that ebook for free. You'll walk away with at least 11 different ways to improve your writing. It's howtowritebetter.org. You can also find information about the class over there as well. as some uh, testimonials. Howtowritebetter.org. For our added value this week, Ryan, I thought it'd be appropriate to talk about Beulah. Heck yeah. So you can follow Beulah. She created all this beautiful artwork. She's also doing the interior design for our space. Do you know Mike over at LA Sound Panels just hired her to create this like zen garden area for him as well? Awesome. Because uh, he has got this these... Recording trailers all these different recording studios where people record okay and so she, she's going to design he loved what she was doing with this space and he was like oh yeah I could use someone who just she has this amazing eye for aesthetics mm. you'll see it on her Instagram right away yeah but if you're interested in beautiful art for your home as well she has a website uh, I know she takes commissions and things like that goldmorning.com is her website and in fact at some point when we switch out some of this artwork some of this in-studio artwork this actual artwork will be for sale from her eventually but right now you can just check out her all of her beautiful art it's stunning goldmorning.com now ryan i thought we would end this episode we're gonna have andrew bell on the podcast in a few weeks can't wait his new album just came out heck yeah and it is i don't even know how to describe it man it is a dream on Vinyl. I mean, it is like it or on record. It's been a recorded dream. It's just stunning. Um, and we're going to have him in to talk about the album, but also just talk about how do you. How, this is minimalist. He's a, the new age minimalist composer in a way. Mm. And how his music has evolved is unbelievable. You can see that. Yeah, it's a great album. It's incredible. And so let's finish this episode with his new single from that album. By the way, the album is called Nightshade, which is a great title. We're going to talk about why it's a great title when he comes on to the the podcast. But this is a song from that album. It's called I'm So Excited for You. By the way, we have a bunch more surprise questions this week. Like, how do we ensure we are using our closets for their intended purpose rather than as miniature storage units? If you have a monotonous job that requires you to sit at a computer all day, what practices can you adopt to avoid impulsively buying non-essentials? How do I keep my interior design fresh and interesting without bringing in a bunch of new items? Plus, what are 25 things that Joshua and Ryan avoid for a more intentional life? And of course, a million more questions for The Minimalists. And if you want to hear all that, join us on the Minimalist private podcast this week. Visit patreon.com slash Minimalists to subscribe and get your personal link so that our private podcast plays in your favorite podcast app. You'll get access to all of our past archives as well, private archives, public archives, Ask the Minimalist Anything sessions, and our Patreon community, plus recorded live events our past live events and our upcoming live events are available to patrons over there as well patreon.com slash the minimalist you can follow the minimalist on facebook twitter and instagram at the minimalist come to one of our live podcast shows they're coming up real soon theminimalistscom com slash tour to find all 20 cities near you and also sign up for our email list over there for future cities and if you sign up for our email list you can also get our podcast show notes in your inbox you can comment on this episode on youtube youtube.com slash the minimalist and if you leave here today with just one message let it be this love people and use things because the opposite never works Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time.